Welcome to the Pharmacotherapy Podcast. My name is Lindsay Devon. I am Professor Emeritus of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at the Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston. I also serve as Editor-in-Chief of Pharmacotherapy, an official journal of the American College of Clinical Pharmacy. Today we are talking with Dr. Lauren Leder about her team's paper titled Brexanolone for Postpartum Depression, Clinical Evidence and Practical Considerations. Dr. Leder is a clinical pharmacy specialist in obstetrics and gynecology at Michigan Medicine. Her co-authors include Megan O'Connell and Amy Vandenberg. Dr. Leder, thank you for joining us today and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for the invitation, Lindsay. Happy to be here. Dr. Leder, brexanolone is a unique drug for the treatment of postpartum depression in its mechanism of action and also uh, in its mode of administration as an intravenous infusion. Before we discuss some of the practical considerations of its use, would you comment uh, initially on the mental condition that we're talking about known as postpartum depression? Yes, yeah, so postpartum depression, or PPD, affects approximately 8 to 20% of women in the U.S. Um, one common question I receive is, how does PPD differ from major depressive disorder? Um, and my answer to that is, symptomatically, it doesn't differ very much. Um, it's really all about the timing. So you can find PPD defined in the DSM-5 criteria under major depressive disorder with the onset of depressive symptoms during pregnancy or within the first four weeks postpartum. Usually it can appear for the first time during pregnancy um, or it can show up as new onset of depressive symptoms in somebody who has previously been diagnosed with major depressive disorder. Right now, it's unclear whether having postpartum depression increases the risk of depression outside of pregnancy, but we do know that women with a history of depression are 20 times more likely to have postpartum depression than those without a history. So it sounds like the term postpartum depression is uh, perhaps a little bit misleading in that uh, depression uh, occurring after delivery can also appear during pregnancy uh, before term delivery actually occurs. Absolutely. About 50% of postpartum depression episodes begin prior to delivery, which is why screening throughout pregnancy is extremely important. Um, and it's likely one of the reasons that the DSM-5 criteria now don't have postpartum depression as a separate disease state, but actually list it as a subtype of major depressive disorder. When depression occurs either during or following pregnancy, it seems that the health of the mother and, and child are, are both at risk. Could you discuss the potential effects of postpartum depression on the infant's health and development? Yeah, there have been studies that have shown that uncontrolled depression during pregnancy has been associated with negative fetal and maternal outcomes. Um, some of those studies have shown that babies born to mothers with uncontrolled depression are often smaller than their unaffected counterparts. They tend to have higher cortisol and catecholamine levels, um, which leads to them crying more frequently. And they're often more likely to be admitted to neonatal intensive care units, which comes along with its own complications, such as being around other neonates that have infections and other risks like that. 
when these kids were followed into adulthood, they were more likely to have suicidal behaviors, conduct problems, emotional instability, and more often required psychiatric care. That certainly underscores the need to uh, treat postpartum depression. Dr. Leader, you've presented this as strong evidence that postpartum depression is a condition that needs uh, recognition. Before discussing uh, brexanolone, would you briefly review the, the past treatment, uh, that is the, the current standard of care of postpartum depression when using pharmacotherapy? Currently, the most robust data for pharmacotherapy treatment of postpartum depression uh, supports the use of selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, or SSRIs. A Cochrane review from 2014 reviewed three randomized controlled trials that compared SSRIs to placebo and found that SSRIs were significantly more effective than placebo in terms of depression response and remission. There are a small pool of randomized controlled trials and open-label studies of SSRIs for the treatment of postpartum depression, um, and the literature is varied in response, but generally the consensus is that SSRIs are effective and acceptable for the treatment of postpartum depression. Some other treatment options that have been utilized for postpartum depression include selective norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors, or SNRIs. Um, and atypical antidepressants such as bupropion, mirtazapine, trazodone, and nifazidone. Open-label trials with these agents suggest benefit from venlafaxine, desvenlafaxine, bupropion, and nifazidone specifically. These therapies do have limitations associated with them, the first being the time to effect So most patients will take four to six weeks, if not longer, to reach remission with SSRI and SNRI therapies. Um, And in the United States, for example, we generally provide patients with only 12 weeks of leave for new parents, um, some of that paid or unpaid, with an average maternity leave lasting about 10 weeks. So if it's taking four to six weeks, almost half of your maternity leave could be spent recovering from depression. Uh, versus bonding with your child. And then another limitation, potential limitation to these medications would be their mechanism of action. Uh, So one theory for postpartum depression etiology is that it may be due to changes in estrogen um, and HPA access dysfunction. And so one randomized control trial actually compared estrogen patches with placebo patches Um, and did show a greater and more rapid improvement of postpartum depression among affected women. But the intervention group did not achieve full remission of symptoms. Um, So this is not generally a therapy that's used at this time. Your article discusses um, the very unique pharmacology of brexanolone, certainly in contrast to many of the other drug therapies that that you just summarized for us. After reading uh, your review, I'm impressed uh, with how specific is the mechanism of action of this drug and how unique uh, it is. Could you elaborate on this uh, point about the pharmacology of brexanolone for our listeners? So as I mentioned, the etiology behind postpartum depression is unclear. Um, There are theories that include maternal neurotransmitter abnormalities, decreased levels of estrogen, hypothalamic pituitary, adrenal, or HPA access dysfunction, thyroid dysfunction, 
um, and genetic predisposition. Increasing research supports a direct link between the progesterone metabolite, allopregnolone, and depression. Allopregnolone release is transiently increased during acute stress, which is thought to serve a neuroprotective role. Chronic stress and major depressive disorder appear to be associated with prolonged decreased central nervous system allopregnolone concentrations. So depressive symptom improvement has been linked to increased cerebral spinal fluid allopregnolone levels with some traditional antidepressants. Transient increases in allopregnolone are thought to exert antidepressive effects um, by modulating GABA receptors um, and potentially 5-HT as well as norepinephrine transmission. Um, During pregnancy, we know that allopregnolone levels increase with a peak in the third trimester, um, but that in the immediate postpartum phase, there's a rapid decline, and this may represent a more specific pathophysiology for postpartum depression as compared to uh, major depressive disorder. So brixanolone, how this works um, in this pathway is that it's exogenous allopregnanolone. So it's a positive allosteric modulator of GABA receptors. By enhancing the GABA receptors, um, it appears to have an acute anxiolytic and antidepressive effect. Because GABA is also an inhibitory neurotransmitter, activation is also expected to be associated with side effects of sedation and dizziness. And braxanolone is thought to directly target the fluctuations in allopregnanolone levels that occur during postpartum depression and is now the first drug to be approved by the FDA for this indication, given its unique mechanism of action. It's certainly impressive what's been learned about the neuropharmacology um, of treatment of depression, as you you just indicated about the mechanism of action of brexanolone. But before we might discuss that uh, point a little further, your review uh, summarizes the results of several clinical trials of brexanolone uh, versus placebo. Could you summarize the evidence uh, that supports the efficacy and safety of brexanolone? So we reviewed three studies in our paper. All three of these studies demonstrated the efficacy of brexanolone for postpartum depression with significant and meaningful reductions in HAMD scores over placebo. Approximately three-quarters of patients in all studies had onset of symptoms within four weeks of delivery, and a quarter of patients had symptom onset within the third trimester. The majority of patients, about 75 to 80 percent across studies, were not taking antidepressants at baseline, uh, and less than 10 percent of patients started a new antidepressant in the follow-up period. Um, When used, sertraline was the most common antidepressant agent that was seen in the trials. There were no significant differences across studies in the change in HAMD score from baseline uh, based on concomitant antidepressant use. The onset of effect was rapid um, with a separation from placebo starting at 24 hours um, and the majority of patients achieving HAMD remission, somewhere between half and 70% of patients having remission at the end of the infusion. While the outcomes for brixanolone were not consistently superior to placebo at 30 days in all studies, the effect of medication was generally sustained. 
meaning that patients with both moderate and severe postpartum depressions improved quickly and did not relapse after treatment. A large placebo effect was seen in these trials, as is common in studies with other antidepressants. These studies are limited by the 30-day follow-up period, um, and the secondary outcomes using different scoring tools um, instead of just using the HAMD scores. The most common adverse effects that were seen in the trials were headache, dizziness, and somnolence. In up to 4% of in patients had the infusion stopped due to excessive sedation um, or loss of consciousness. Due to these effects um, thought to be related to the infusion rate, it was decided that this program, uh, a REMS program, should be enacted for this medication um, just due to the implications of kind of excessive sedation and loss of consciousness. It seems that, from what you've said, the decision to use braxanolone in treating postpartum depression is not necessarily straightforward and equal to the other choices that have been available in the past, but can be a a complicated uh, decision uh, given individual circumstances. One of the circumstances I'm thinking about is that many pregnancies now come to term at uh, birthing centers, which many mothers prefer rather than uh, in a regular hospital, um, so that the mother and child can uh, be in a more pleasing environment, uh, less hospital-like, and the mother and child actually go home the same day of delivery. And such that this would seem to make the decision to be hospitalized uh, for several days uh, for an intravenous infusion uh, somewhat um, non-trivial, and uh, especially if it requires separation of the newborn from the mother. Can you discuss some of the considerations in making the decision of whether to use Brexanolone and to be hospitalized for an IV infusion? Yeah, you bring up an excellent point. Um, And separation of mother and infant is one of the most complicating factors that's associated with this therapy. I think it's worth clarifying that although the patient would be likely admitted to the hospital um, and that would decrease maternal and neonatal bonding period, the per the infusion protocol, moms may interact with the neonates as long as another adult is present to act as guardian for the child, especially due to the severe side effect of somnolence um, and potential loss of consciousness. It would be a safety hazard for Um, mom to be acting as guardian for the infant during the infusion time. I think it's important for patients to weigh whether three days in the hospital um, with limited contact, but knowing the likely remission um, and duration of uh, relief in the depressive symptoms and, and taking that, whether it's better or worse than maybe four to six weeks of disrupted maternal and neonatal bonding, even though you're at home, because our other medications just take longer uh, to work. Mm-hmm. Well, let me just follow up on uh, one of these considerations in uh, the decision to use Brexanolone and be hospitalized. I'm just thinking about um, breastfeeding and uh, mothers. Since some of the mothers that may be candidates for brexanolone and hospitalization uh, have other children, it's possible that they may have a child who's still breastfeeding, 
while they became pregnant and then they have a newborn infant. So does this present further complications if, uh, if there's another uh, sibling who's breastfeeding as well? This absolutely could pose another complication. While the effects of brixenolone have not been studied specifically in the breastfed infant, um, we would expect there to be the potential risk of transient somnolence, just like you would see in mom. There is some data looking at the concentration of brixenolone in the breast milk of some of these mothers that were in these studies. Um, It looks like there's a low relative infant dose. It's about 1.3% of the mother's dose. And given that this medication is given IV, it's expected to have low oral bioavailability, so about less than 5%. So we would expect the exposure of a breastfed infant to be low. Because of these two components, the Proposed labeling for breastfeeding with brixanolone um, does recommend that the developmental and health benefits of breastfeeding uh, should be considered alongside of the mother's clinical need for brixanolone um, and then the possible adverse effects of breastfeeding while on this medication. I'd like to return to a point I think you've addressed somewhat already, and that's, um, you know, when's the best time to actually initiate treatment with brexanolone when postpartum depression has either appeared before delivery or after? And what I'm thinking about is the specific mode of action where there is uh, documentation that plasma concentrations of allopregnanolone uh, decrease quickly after, after pregnancy. My question is, does the treatment need to be uh, initiated immediately after birth? I, I know you said some symptoms may not appear postpartum depression for several weeks, or can the you know can the treatment be delayed for several weeks, which might give the mother and newborn uh, more time to bond and and settle at home before hospitalization? So I think this depends on kind of when symptoms appear. I would probably not delay starting the medication after four weeks of post-delivery since during the study, that's the timetable that was looked at. I think if a a mom is starting to have some symptoms during the pregnancy, um, but would like to, and is stable and safe without medication, um, potentially postpone for a few weeks to either breastfeed or just wants to bond with the baby before starting. I think as long as we're not pushing out past that four-week time limit, I think that that would be um, a potential option. Uh, Those are some very useful comments, I'm sure, for our uh, listeners. Um, So I I still have a follow-up question as I was mentioning about allopregnanolone concentrations. Um, Are there any data to suggest that uh, allopregnanolone plasma concentration measures that is how how far they dip down from normal after delivery, might identify mothers who could be more or less uh, responsive to the use of this drug and be helpful in making a decision about whether to use brexanolone or some other antidepressant. There are ongoing studies looking at whether allopregnanolone levels may be able to predict those at risk for postpartum depression. Um, I'm not aware of any studies at this time linking the predictive ability of allopregnanolone levels with responders to this therapy. Um, However, that does seem like a logical progression for additional studies to look at. Mm -hmm. From your review, it seems that 
Brexanolone is an at this time, um, uh, an optional treatment for postpartum depression. And I'm thinking that probably comparative data to standard antidepressants are not yet available from the same clinical trials as a randomized trial. Um, but just using historical data about the uh, response rate. So this suggests to me that a related therapeutic issue for the woman who does elect to receive Rexanolone for postpartum depression, uh, is it advisable to continue maintenance therapy with an SSRI? So at this time, if a patient was stable on an SSRI dose prior to um, having symptoms of postpartum depression, then I would recommend continuing the SSRI at the same dose while giving the Rexanolone therapy on top. I think part of that recommendation comes from the data where patients were continued on their maintenance therapy while this medication was given. Um, And then part of that comes from the different mechanism of action behind why we think this depression episode would be occurring. Um, And so I would probably recommend continuing something that they were already stable on. Just a final question. Uh, Where do you see the current place of this drug in the overall treatment of uh, postpartum depression? And I'm thinking about the future uh, as well. Are we likely to accumulate sufficient data in the future for uh, home administration that would make the decision for Braxanolone treatment uh, easier for, uh, for patients? Right now, I see brexanolone therapy being used for patients that have moderate to severe postpartum depression, uh, regardless of whether they have maintenance therapy on board or not. As far as the future and whether we would be able to have enough safety data to administer this at home, I think it's possible. Um, I think it depends on, as we start to use this medication and therapy, how frequently we're seeing Um, the somnolence and loss of consciousness component. But what I do think is more likely to come down the line is potentially an oral formulation of this medication that would be more convenient for administration-wise and that the patient could take at home. Your comments today have been um, very helpful, uh, Dr. Leder. We've been talking with Dr. Lauren Leder, clinical pharmacy specialist at the University of Michigan about her review in pharmacotherapy entitled Brexanolone for Postpartum Depression, Clinical Evidence and Practical Considerations. The listeners can access uh, the manuscript from the pharmacotherapy website. Thank you again, Dr. Leder. Thank you. It was a pleasure talking with you today.